Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Ten and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. Going up until 8 o'clock tonight, 704-570-1110 is the telephone number. And as always, follow me on Twitter slash X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And I told you guys earlier in the week that I hope to have a special guest in studio with me tonight. And we actually have that. And that is Charlotte City Council Member Malcolm Graham. So first of all, Councilman. Thank you for coming in tonight. It's Well, coming in today, right? <laughs> right. It's been a long day for me. But thank you for the invitation. We talked about doing this for a while, so I'm glad that we were able to schedule it and get it done. I'm really excited about it. So excited that I showed up at 7 a.m. Yes, showed up at 7 a.m. <laughs> thinking that's when the show was or what I had sent him a text message. But uh, so uh, that's tough and getting up that early because I'm not a morning person. So that's uh but I do appreciate you making the, the drive the second time today here. Um, okay, so let's start off with a couple of things. It's, it's election season, and you like basically are, I don't know if it's technically unopposed or whatever, but it's, how does that feel when, you know, I think the city, there's, what, 28% of the voters or 27% of the voters, I think, in Charlotte are, are um, Republican, but... They don't, they're, you know, basically n- nobody running for mayor. There's like so many, you got Ed Driggs, the Republican running unopposed in the South, and you got the big race going on with Tark Barkari, Stephanie Hannon, District 6. But so many races are unopposed. What do you think about that? And does it bother you or no? It bothers me. Uh, I believe civic engagement and civic participation is really important. And uh, I'm a competitor, and so. Um, I, I like to compete, and I like to run races, and uh, running on the polls is not fun because you're sitting on the sideline watching everybody else. But more importantly, it's it's not really in the best interest of the community. The community should have dialogue back and forth. Uh, the parties should exchange ideas and, and duke it out and make the best man or woman win. And I think that produced a better candidate, produced a better council member, and it produced a better um, dialogue around the dais once the— the council is set, so not having a competitive mayor's race, me being unopposed, um, the majority of the council now is unopposed, having little or no Republican opposition, uh, it's not in the best interest of the community, and um, I think we're, we're we're lost for it. There, you know, this station, the demographics that listen to this station are 60% Republican and the other 40% make up independents and Democrats, with the overwhelming portion of that being the independent, because there are now you know, way more unaffiliated voters 
than there are Republican voters, not just in Charlotte, but throughout North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Why do you think so many people are leaving the Republican and the Democrat Party equally and joining the unaffiliated? They don't see any statesmen, right? They don't see any honest brokers. They don't see individuals willing to collaborate and compromise. It's my way or the highway. Uh, and people are not like that. The majority of people, I'm not like that. I, I, I'm, I'm a moderate, right? I, I meet people in the middle. I understand that getting 70% of something is better than not getting any at all. And, and I think when people watch the national politics, um, the state politics, local politics really aren't about these and ours. They're about picking up the trash and getting things done. But people get um, jaded by it and say, oh, forget it. I'm not voting. Um, I'm not running. I'm not participating, uh, and they just kind of go to a neutral corner, which is an independent affiliation, and say, well, I'll just kind of pick and choose when and where I play. I want to ask you something that's on this particular ballot that's pretty big, and it's the school bonds, mm -hmm. $2.5 And I find this particular thing extremely interesting. You've got Tark Bakari, a Republican, endorsing it. Mm -hmm. You've got the Black Political Caucus who made a deal with CMS mm -hmm. to endorse it, to hire more minority, especially female minority contractors. Mm -hmm. But you've got the African-American Faith Alliance against it. You've got Arthur Griffin dead set against it. Mm -hmm. People are all over the place, regardless of race or political party. What, what's your stance on it? I'm very supportive of the bonds. I, I believe that we have to build a community that's better tomorrow than it is today. I see the bonds and school construction as infrastructure planning for the future. Uh, I um, have two um, young ladies that are graduates, my daughters of Charlotte Mecklenburg School System. I believe in the school system. I believe in, in public education. I believe that students should have a, a place to go and, and have um, new equipment and new buildings and they perform better, I believe. And so I, I think we need to make the investment in, in the community uh, for not for my kids, but for my my grandson now, who is three years old and one years old, and, and making sure that when he's ready to go into uh, elementary school or middle school, high school, that the, the infrastructure is there to support that. So I support the bonds. Talking with Charlotte City Councilman Malcolm Graham, um, who's joining us in studio for the full hour tonight. <laughs> I'm curious about the at-large with the Charlotte City Council. <laughs> because I, we all know what happened last year when uh -huh. um, you know, Dimple got more than Braxton and wound up not being mayor pro tem. And there were thoughts that it was going to be you and then possibly Victoria. And then third or fourth down the list, here comes Braxton and he's mayor pro tem. And, you know, and Tark said in your seat exactly one week ago that he thought it wound up being a good selection and that he's been supportive of Braxton. Mm -hmm. I asked him, I said, well, what's going to happen this time? And he thinks that, you know, Dimple will once again get the most votes. But he also said there's a real chance that Malcolm or Victoria, they're the mayor pro tem. Would you want to be mayor pro tem? Um, I want to support the, the tradition, which is the top vote getter um, should be mayor pro tem. And, and whoever that is, I, I will support. And if we don't go that route, um, I would um, consider it. But I would be more interested in being mayor uh, than, than Mayor Pro Tem. See, that's um, what I wanted to ask you. <laughs> the, the Mayor Pro Tem is just a resume builder. I, I have a pretty good resume based on the work that I've done in the community. And um, the Mayor um, Viles has given me a lot of responsibilities over the last three years, chairing the Economic Development Committee, chairing the Affordable Housing Committee, chairing the Redistricting Committee, uh, leading on major visible projects for the city. And so 
I've, I'm doing the work, right? And I don't need the title, and and nor do I need the headache. Um, but uh, if my colleagues want me to consider it, I'll consider it. But it's something I'm not campaigning for. I'd rather campaign for beer. Well, see that that that's the perfect segue. It's like you've done media before. So, for probably about a year and a half now, maybe two years, the three names that you kept hearing was that you, Dimple, Braxton, all eventually want to be the next mayor whenever Vi decides not to run anymore. And many people think this will be her last term coming up, her final two years. If you want to break news on this show right now, I'd be really grateful. But are you interested when Vi, when Vi, whatever that is, would you be interested in running for mayor or, or are you strongly considering it? Would you like to? What are your thoughts? Let me answer it this way. Um, I've served for, this is my second tenure on city council. I served from 99 to 2005. I served for 10 years in the state senate, um, ran for Congress unsuccessfully, lost my sister at the Emanuel AME Church shooting in Charleston, um, stayed away from public office for about four years, came back in 2019 to serve on city council, um, worked at nonprofit organizations, worked at major corporations in the city, being an elected official is what I do. It's not who I am. So I don't have to be mayor. I don't have to be mayor pro tem. I'm not, I don't wake up every morning thinking about it, looking in the mirror and say, there's Charlotte's next mayor. Uh, if the work is to be done, uh, and if um, I think there's a lot of work to be done, um, I wouldn't mind doing it. Um, obviously, I'm thinking about it for sure. Um, but, you know, I got a book coming out in 2025 as well. Um, the, really? way, the way forward about my Charleston experience with my sister, and uh, hopefully I'll be in a book tour in 2025. Um, 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 I love traveling, and I'm not, uh, I went to Paris this year, and my daughter's a um, women's basketball coach in Washington, D.C. at Hartford Community College, so I, I go visit her. I got another daughter in Atlanta with two grandsons, so... Um, there's a lot I want to do, um, and so I'll think about it at the appropriate time. But I think that I can provide the leadership for Charlotte. Uh, I think I can be an honest broker between um, both parties, Democrats and Republicans. I think I can speak for um, a wide variety of citizens in this community, from Ballantyne to University City to inner city Charlotte. Got the experience, got the know-how, um, not married to being mayor. I think you want someone that has other things to do as well, that this is not something that they're hovering over. And so um, you will see. Uh, I'm intrigued. When we come back, we're going to talk to Councilman Malcolm Graham about some other things going on that the city council is actually dealing with, including the Carolina Panthers and David Tepper. We'll talk about that when we return. I'm Brett Jensen. He's Malcolm Graham. And you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Congre- excuse me, I almost said congressman. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> City Councilman Malcolm Graham is in studio with us tonight, going up until 8 o'clock, 704-570-1110. As always, is the phone numbers. And guys, follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen. Okay. So I sort of teased this a little bit just before we went to break. Carolina Panthers. What's the situation going on with the Carolina Panthers? Because I remember when Carol, when he was awarded the very day that they had the big ceremony uptown, that he was awarded the soccer franchise. Mm-hmm. And I remember interviewing him at that day and saying, well, what happens if this Eastland thing falls apart and the money with the stadium for the renovations and all that? And he said, look, he said, this is a partnership. And he was saying this back then. Mm-hmm. He said, it's a partnership between me, the fans, the city, the county, and the state. Mm-hmm. And he truly believes that. And I tend to agree. Mm-hmm. But my own personal opinions aside, what what's the latest with the Carolina Panthers and possible public funding from the city and the stadium and all that stuff? What's going on there? Well, let's, first things first, we won a game. I know, I know, I know, I know, right? So we're one in six, and people support winners. Uh, here's the thing. Um, Charlotte, uh, DNA is in the, uh, and sports and entertainment is in the DNA of the city of Charlotte. Um, when I got here in 81, we had wrestling and racing. That was it. That's it. And, um, yeah, I grew up here, so yeah. Yeah, move forward. Now we got Panthers and Hornets and and uh, NASCAR Hall of Fame and NASCAR. We got AAA baseball. We have um, um, the um, golf tournaments. Wells Fargo's president company almost, almost had a 1,000 Masters tennis tournament. And so I support um, sports and entertainment in the city. Um, I've gotten to know um, Dave um, uh, well, I think. Uh, and um, it's not really about the Panthers, uh, Tepper Sports and Entertainment is about the $1.5 billion that they produce um, um, uh, economic impact that goes to those who work in that industry, travel and tourism, uh, the waiters, the waitresses, the small business owners, the hotels, the bars and restaurants, uh, the regional draw that comes to Charlotte to help pay for that prepared food tax and the hotel motel tax that come to support what we're doing in the city. And so from that perspective, a $1.5 billion economic impact yearly deserve some type of support to keep the team here in the city of Charlotte. Um, so, yes, I, I think next year we will have some conversations with them. We're working at their pace. We're not rushing to write them a check. It will not be a blank check. Um, but I think when you look at um, what's happening with uh, the stadium, which is our living room, right, where we have concerts and soccer and football and, and all those things I talked about in terms of how it impacts uptown Charlotte and the region uh, that I believe that we will find a way to help them renovate that stadium uh, and do it in a way that keeps the team in Charlotte for 25 more years. So renovation is the, is that the way you understand it, not the Charlotte Pipe and Foundry and getting that land? Because, you know, all the word was, well, David Tepper, he wants the exact same deal. He wants Charlotte to buy the Charlotte Pipe and Foundry, the city of Charlotte to buy that, and then do the stadium. I, I think, what do you I think, think? I think we're beyond that now. Okay. It, it's, it's, a, um, it's a public-private partnership. Um, they've done their due diligence, and they're continuing to do that. They have not approached us. Now, obviously, we talk with our partners all the time, right? So we talk to the Panthers daily. We talk to the folks at 
uh, Fred Whitfield and those guys at the Basketball Daily. We talked to the Sports Commission Daily. So you would want us to be talking with them, right? So it's no secret that we've been talking about this thing uh, in terms of when, where, to what extent. And so, yeah, we're going to make an investment uh, probably sometime next year. Um, what that investment's going to look like, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a new stadium. I think it's going to be a renovated facility. I don't think we'll um, buy any land for them. I think it'll be a straight up uh, and town talk about how can we uh, lock this team in our community for 25 years? How can we improve our living room, Bank of American Stadium, and how can we continue to grow that economic pie of $1.5 billion to support travel and, and tourism and those who work in that industry in the city of Charlotte? Well, I always tell people, you know, so like I understand that people get some people get upset. Well, David Tepper is the second richest man in the NFL. He should build his own. And I get that. I understand the argument. But if you don't think that an NFL team will leave, ask St. Louis twice, who asked the Rams that lost him from L.A. of the second biggest city in America, lost him. Houston, the fourth biggest city in America, lost the Oilers before they getting back the Texans. I mean, ask Cleveland, ask Baltimore, like. It happens in major cities. They will leave for greener pastures. Yeah, and, and we have, and again, keep in mind, the investment that we're going to make um, doesn't come from our general budget. It comes, comes from our hospitality tax. So we can only use these dollars for um, uh, travel and tourism-related activities, right? And so we can't use it for roads. We can't use it for school. We can't use it for public safety. We can't use it for housing. It's narrowly tailored for sports and entertainment. So there's a line item that we have, um, as you know, the state this year extended uh, the um, the prepared meal taxes. And um, so that gives for another 25 years. So it gives us a runway. Uh, the investment won't be cheap, right? I mean, I think Nashville or one of the local communities building a new stadium, well over $1.4 billion. Buffalo. Uh, and so um, it won't be cheap. Um, and, and I remind folks all the time that the city of Charlotte and the members of the city council, we're trustees of a $3.5 billion budget. Um, we got enterprise fund um, zones like the airport and the tourism taxes. So we got a lot of revenue coming in. And so uh, the number may be big when it comes out, but in respect to what we bring in, how those dollars can be used, and then the economic endpoint, $1.5 billion a year. I'm not sure we can afford to lose that in Uptown Charlotte. When we come back, we'll get into a few more things, including how surprised was he that the tennis tournament decided to stay in Cincinnati? So we'll talk about that uh. one. <laughs> Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. We got Charlotte City Councilman Malcolm Graham in studio with us for the full hour. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen. Okay, so we talked a little bit of sports last time about the Panthers and the stadium and all that stuff, renovations. The big thing that was within the last couple of months was the proposed big-time tennis tournament that's in Cincinnati of it moving here. And the state was going to give like $30 million to help build this tennis stadium up in the what, River District or whatever it is they were calling it. So were you surprised at the end of the day it stayed in Cincinnati? Yes. Um, I was surprised, stunned, <clears throat> felt like I got punched in the stomach when Mr. Navarro called me and said, Malcolm, this is going to be the worst phone call I make all day. I said, well, hang up and call me later, <laughs> right? right? right. We, don't, we don't have to talk now. 
and he told me, um, huge opportunity for the city. I think we did everything that we could to attract it here. Our partners, Mecklenburg County, contributed $30 million. The city of Charlotte did $65 million. We did another $28 million advancing infrastructure in the River District. The state of North Carolina contributed 20 in their budget and had verbally committed to do another 10 uh, to make it $30 million. Um, I think what killed the deal was the timing. Um, the state historically, generally, supposed to pass their budget in June. The budget didn't get passed until, what, was it October? They went to Cincinnati and had the tournament this year. And although I was praying for rain for two weeks, it went extremely well for them. Um, the, the folks in Cincinnati made a pledge to match Charlotte dollar for dollar uh, to keep the tournament um, in Cincinnati and did more than that. Uh, and I think the time killed the deal. And the fact that we couldn't um, – we didn't get all our dollars uh, in a row until October. I think they just moved on. And, and then uh, talking to Mr. Navarro, um, we all knew, and, I, and this was what I told him, I said, we knew in January, right, that it was always going to be more expensive to do it in Charlotte. And you told me that was about the intangibles, the close proximity to the airport, the uptown hotels, the ability to build your own campus, and you were willing to – you know, pay for that. Um, I guess even billionaires have a limit in terms of what they want to pay for when someone else is going to pay for it for them. And that's what Cincinnati did. Uh, I was stunned. I was shocked. I was disappointed. I worked for about a year uh, to get it done. Um, and I think if we could have had our budget done by July before the Cincinnati tournament, I would have told our staff, tell Beaumont, before you go to Cincinnati, accept it or reject it. Because once they got there and they saw all that love and 200,000 folks and the monies that they were getting from Cincinnati, it was easy to say, well, let's just stay where we are. And, and, and that's what they did. Any chance of it coming down here, coming back? Any chance? No. No, they probably tethered to Cincinnati for about 25 years there's only nine of these Masters 1000 yeah. tournaments in the in the world That's right. um, behind the four Grand Slams, and so they don't move. And 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 when you when you're trying to take something away from somebody, you got to snatch it. You just got to take it. And it was a slow courting, and it gave Cincinnati an, an opportunity to, to catch up, get the ducks in a row. I mean, do the tournament, demonstrate what they can do, and I think that's what won out, unfortunately. I'm still disappointed, and I, I checked myself into a mental hospital for about four days, and <laughs> then I came back to civilization. <laughs> um, let's switch back to the election, which is on Tuesday, mm -hmm. uh, just a few days from now, and um, the big, big race for the Charlotte City Council, the only race for the Charlotte City Council, other than who's going to end up maybe getting the most votes as an at-large candidate, and that probably won't even be close either. Um, but in terms of District 6 and Tark Bakari and Stephanie Hand, you know, we did the report earlier this week um, about Stephanie Hand saying that, well, actually it was the Charlotte Ledger, and we followed up on it, but the Charlotte Ledger broke the story that Stephanie Hand, who's been saying that she ran the airports and running airports and, 
and all kinds of stuff. Um, never actually worked for Charlotte Douglas International Airport. Um, she worked for an outside vendor dealing with concessions and restaurants and Starbucks. Um, it, you know, it even is on her handout at the polls that she was basically running airports. So when you see that, does that concern, did it concern you at all when you started hearing about that, about the reports that, you know, maybe she, she's either purposely or willfully misleading. Some would say lies. Some would say uh, the semantics, like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I like both of them. Um, uh, I've worked with Tark for the last three years. Uh, he's a hot dog with a lot of mustard and ketchup. We agree that we disagree on some things. The last four months working with him on the tennis project, getting things in Raleigh, um, Eastland, um, I really enjoyed working with him. Um, I love Stephanie. Um, I, 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 I love her spirit. Uh, I love her can-to attitude. I love her, her, um, her family. I know her family well. Her husband is a fraternity brother of mine. Um, I think the world of her. Um, I, I just think that um, I like to keep it focused on the issues. I know the candidates are going are to go back and forth. I don't think she she's a minister. I don't think she purposely lied. Um, I, I just think she worked at the airport and just kind of in a general statement, right, and, and, and probably should have um, broke that statement down a little bit more. But I don't think she intentionally lied. I don't think she intentionally tried to mislead to get a, a leg up. It's a competitive campaign. Um, it, people have a right to ask the question and the ledger, and you did, and that's very appropriately appropriate, appropriately for her to respond. And so, I think the voters. She hasn't. Well, the voters will, right? And the voters will respond on next Tuesday, whether or not they want to keep the incumbent, uh, Mr. Bakari, or try something new, Mr. Sands. I think no matter who wins the race, I think that seat will be well represented. Uh, and so I'll be like everyone else in, in the Charlotte uh, watching. I don't have a vote because I, I live in District 2, but I'm sending out prayers for Stephanie and, and, and hoping my colleague the best of luck on that election day. You just brought up Eastland. What's the situation with that? Well, again, you know, we hope to have a AAU facility there for basketball. I know you got a basketball background, sports background, and um, my daughter um, went to Mallet Creek High School, um, left as their all-time leading scorer, oh. played college basketball. Now she's coaching uh, at Hartford Community College um, uh, as the women's head coach, 7,500 student um, population. Their first home game is tomorrow, so I'm, I'm excited for her. And, but when she played AAU ball, we went out of, out, of, out of the city. We couldn't play here. We went to Minnesota, Atlanta, Florida, Virginia. Oh, yeah. And so we're going to build an AAU facility there uh, in conjunction with some soccer fields. Um, uh, Tark, right, uh, was instrumental in, in, in helping us get the deal done along with Ms. Ivory, uh, who had bring these two opposite proposals together. And, and it's working out, right? And, and that's the thing about local government. Um, it's not about these and ours. Can you get in a room, put your eagles at the door, figure it out? The city of Charlotte, we're going to have to put some money into it, and we will. But let's get the damn thing done, right? Uh, and, and, let's, and so we can move on to something else and create um, a, a, an avenue for amateur sports, soccer, and uh, the AAU facility. And again, the city appropriated $65 million for BMOC, so. Maybe we should build some tennis courts, right? So that if we want to get a lower tier tournament, 
a, a 500. We still need a facility. Well, I mean, Charleston's got one of those tournaments. Yeah, yeah. So we still need a facility, right? And so after the first of the year, I hope to have some conversations with um, the manager uh, under my hat as chairman of the Economic Development Committee about really stressing amateur sports and making sure that we have the facilities to accommodate that. When we return, I want to talk to him about just a couple of other issues, like what are some of the big issues facing the Charlotte City Council over the next few months or so? Mm -hmm. And then also talk to him a little bit about Charleston and his situation concerning that with his sister. He's, he's Malcolm Graham, the Charlotte City Councilman. And I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Welcome back to the final segment of Breaking with Brett Jensen, Charlotte City Council member Malcolm Graham is in with us for about 10 more minutes. Really, really do appreciate him coming in and a lot of very insightful stuff so far. Some really good stuff. Um, what's some of the big business going forward with the City Council? What are some of the big issues facing you guys over the next couple months? Um, we got to get our hand around crime. Um, I, I hate waking up in the morning, turning on the news and see who got shot the night before. Uh, if you don't feel safe, you're not safe. And so we really got to find a way to work with churches and neighborhood associations, um, nonprofit organizations to really try to stop the violence in the city. Uh, we got to find a way to uh, get people around. So uh, public transportation, and the news about the red line and transit and mobility is going to be a key issue as we move forward for the new council. Um, <clears throat> housing and affordable housing communities, right? Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Um... The quarters of opportunities is really important to me. These are quarters that have historically not been invested in by the city as well as private entities. Now everyone's moving to these sides of the city, whether it's Smitty Fort Road, I-85 and Sugar Creek, um, North Graham Street and Tryon Street, Wilson Boulevard, Freedom Drive, right? Making sure these quarters and the people who live there are a part of the change and not victims of it. Uh, continue to work with Raleigh. We had a really, really good year with our um, General Assembly and Senator Berger and the Speaker in terms of their investing in Charlotte, keep nurturing that relationship, uh, and um, always tell the citizens what they need to know versus what they want to hear, and that's what I try to do, right? Not won't make you very popular, um, but um, I think that's where we are. We just got to uh, talk truth to power. We're going to probably have to raise taxes next year. Um, that's that's just where we are. Between the county doing the reassessment and then the school bond, if it passes, that's another six percent that they're es ex estimating that will go on the tax, the land taxes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's but, but, but city hadn't raised tax for four or five years, and and the thing is that um, everybody wants better roads, better sidewalks. They want more police officers. They want all these other things, and all those things come with a cost. And so the budget process is going to be extremely um, insightful next year, as well as sports and entertainment, temper sports, and what we do there. I want to talk to you about um, the situation involving your sister who was uh, murdered at the church shooting down in Charleston. And I'm just curious, from a personal standpoint, and if this, you don't want to talk about this, totally fine. I totally get it. Um, but, but I'm just curious. I'm always fascinated by this. 
when you hear something that like happened in Maine mm-hmm. or that happened in you know Texas, um, you know, what, a year ago or so at the school or wherever the synagogue, Buffalo, Orlando, exactly, Texas, California, Las Vegas. Re- do you automatically start reliving everything? Yes, um, I know how they feel. Uh, I know what's going to happen. Um, the, the the news crews go to the scene. Um, uh, they t- talk about what happened. Uh, they identify who died. Uh, the president sends thoughts and prayers. Um, uh, and then the, the Republicans say, now it's not the time to talk about it. Uh, Democrats talk about gun control. Uh, then we hear about the names of who died. We see their pictures uh, uh, on the screen. They talk, they talk about how good people they were, right? Uh, and um, then, then they get buried. Uh, and then it, it goes away until it happens again. And that cycle continues. Um, I, uh, I love my sister, um, and uh, I don't have a problem talking about um, her. I talk about how she lived versus how she died. But too many people in our country are dying for no reason, like in Maine and, and Buffalo and Orlando and Texas and Las Vegas and Pittsburgh. And I, I know the role, right? Uh, and so we got to find a way. And that's why I mentioned earlier about Charlotte and gun violence, right? Not mass shootings, but if you count. Well, except for Betty's Ford. That one day, on, was it Juneteenth? Yeah, Juneteenth, four years ago, five years ago. The point I'm trying to make, we talk about all those mass shootings. But at the end of the year, we do a count of all the people who got died in Charlotte. Uh, and it's always a high number. There's someone's daughter, husband, son. Cousin, you know, those are mass killings when we group them all together. And so we got an issue with guns in our community, and I'm not sure why men and women uh, can't find a way to find common ground on that issue. I just, it just kills me. The CMPD will tell you, and they just did a stats thing, a stats press conference last week, I believe it was, where they, you know, released all the crime stats through the third quarter and mm-hmm. all that. And the trend is across the board. It's the criminals are getting younger and younger. Yeah. The violent criminals, the ones with the guns, the ones doing the break-ins, the car stealings, everything. The 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 criminals are getting younger and younger, and a lot of times are the teenagers. Yeah. And what is there? I, I don't. You talked about getting into the communities and nonprofits and stuff like that. The fact that it, is it is it too late if it's already gotten to the teenagers? We gotta catch these kids when they're young, and it's and it's it's, it's the church, it's the well, let me back up, it's the mother and the father, is having the father at the house, is extension of the church, uh, is the neighborhood. I mean, I was raised by a neighborhood, you know. When I went to the tennis court, I walked there from my house to the tennis court. Everybody knew me along the way. You know, you better get home, Malcolm. I mean, every, I mean, what you doing? Who are you talking to? I mean, everybody had eyes on me, right? So I was raised by this community. Right now, we don't have that anymore. Um, and so I'm concerned. Uh, I'm concerned for my grandsons. Um, they're one in three. Um, I'm concerned for um, uh, mothers um, who are trying to raise kids by themselves. And um, I, I just don't. I wish I had the answer, right? I, I really do. We have alternative to violence program that we started on Beatty's Fort Road, District 2, that now we're doing in District 3, Victoria's District, and hope to expand it throughout the city. 
trying to stop some of these things before they occur, working with folks who've been in the system, who've been arrested, that can go and talk to these teenagers and say, hey, you know, you think you're bad? Wait until you go inside. This is what's going to happen, and this is how your life is going to turn out. So instead of picking up the gun, put it down. I mean, like probably you and me, right, in high school. Let's meet me at the back of the school. That's what it was. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> across, maybe across the street. Yes, and we'll find it that way. So that's, that's we got to find a way. We got to find a way. We, we got to find a way. And that's the thing that I really want to work on next year. Um, and it's it's and it's not a government problem, right? It's 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 a community problem. All of us have to work together to find a way to solve it. And it's it's a tough question to answer. There's no smooth transition to this. Uh, I'm just going to do the awkward transition. You've known Sheriff Gary McFadden for a very very long time. He yeah. said he's known you since he was like 17 or 18 years old. He also said that you fancy yourself as a decent tennis player. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what can you tell me about Sheriff McFadden? What was he like as a kid? Oh, man, we, we met on the campus of Johnson C. Smith University. Um, I mean, Smith is, again, family, right? That family environment. He pledged Omega, which is the worst thing in the world to do. <laughs> I pledged Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity. We both had a vision for the future. Um, Smith is the foundation that we both stand on to help him propelled him to being a police officer. And I, I saw him rise, right? When you see someone that you, you know and you saw him graduate and all of a sudden now he's in the, a cadet and now he's a, a police officer, now he's a detective, now he's a, a, on TV with his own show and now he's the sheriff of Mecklenburg County and and he pledged Q, right? <laughs> and so I just love him. Um, uh, I love his energy. I, um, I love his progress. And um, Johnson C. Smith University produces great students, and Gary McFadden is one of them. Do you have a good Gary McFadden story? He pledged Q, man. That's, <laughs> that's, that's it, right? How, how, how dumb can you be? <laughs> well, such a smart guy. <laughs> uh, that's great. All right, so I like to do this on every single interview, whether it's recorded, whether it's live, whether it's in studio. You know, I did it with Lenora Ship the other day when I talked to her about running for school board. Is there anything that I didn't ask you in these last 90 seconds that you want to talk about that I didn't ask you? No. Or anything that you want to say? Um, I, I just want to say to the community, you know, um, and, and those, your demographics, it's not my party. I just want to help build a better Charlotte, right? Democrats, Republicans, independents, I think we all got to work together. We can agree that we disagree. But I, I'm just looking for people who are statesmen and stateswomen who has the ability to understand that compromising is not a bad thing, disagreeing is not a bad thing, that we can find common ground to help build a better Charlotte. And that's what I want to do. And it's going to take all of us working together. The issues that we deal with on city councils really aren't partisan issues. We make them partisan. But for the most part, we just want to make sure that we create an environment, a city that's better tomorrow than it is today. And I just encourage the listeners to work with me and work with the city council, agree with us when we do something right, let us know when we've dropped the ball, but always continue to move the ball forward for the city of Charlotte. Current city council member Malcolm Graham and probable future mayor Malcolm Graham, appreciate you joining us in studio tonight. I really do appreciate it tonight. There was a lot of it and very insightful stuff tonight. So thank you so much for taking the time to come here tonight. Thank you for the opportunity.
Tomorrow night, got a major, major interview that you guys are definitely going to want to hear. It's with someone running for Congress, and you're definitely going to want to hear it. I'm Brett Jensen. He's Malcolm Graham, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. WB 